God, you know at times we're in danger of becoming overwhelmed by life, that we fail to hear and respond to your word. In the quietness of these moments, whisper your truth to our souls by your spirit. Use my words that we may hear Jesus calling us for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Now, some of you may have heard of or even attended what was the annual Christian event called Easter People. And Martin and I were both involved in that event right from uh, its beginnings through to its final year. And thousands of people used to gather from around the country for big worship celebrations and seminars. Also, uh, it became a mission to the towns in which it was hosted. And I'd be remember being inspired by some wonderful preaching from some of the best preachers who were around at that time, including our superintendent minister, of course. And it was good to have members of my church attending, benefiting from the teaching. But one year I was very disturbed after hearing wonderful preachers like the late uh, Reverend Dr. Donald English. Some of our members of the congregation were rating the sermons, giving preachers marks out of 10, as they returned back to their hotels. Now, I wasn't happy with them for two reasons. Firstly, it dawned on me that they were probably doing the same when I preached every Sunday, which uh, I found a little bit difficult. And when I challenged them, they were awkwardly defensive. But eventually, tongue-in-cheek, they joked that it wouldn't be a bad idea to hold up scorecards at the end of each sermon after the final amen. Hmm. So, I wasn't happy with that. But the second thing is that I realized... <laughs> I realized that people attending the Easter People event, yes, they paid to go... There seemed to be, at times, a sort of consumerism that was creeping in, that was probably creeping into the church as well, where people who were churchgoers were coming a little bit spectators, expecting to be entertained and pleased with everything, rather than being participants, critiquing the preaching, the music, the decor, the PowerPoint, the notice sheets, the administration, and so on. If not up to scratch, well, they could go elsewhere. And there's a danger, I think, if preachers and our volunteer teams are treated almost like employees of the church. People appointed to provide a service, excuse the pun, rather than being co-workers, all of us together in the kingdom of God. Surely, preachers shouldn't be undemanding or seek to please the punters. Our role is to bring the word of God, to be authentic, faithful, and obedient. The truth is, we only get the preachers or sermons that we sincerely pray for. And we're only truly blessed if we open our hearts to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Hold on to that thought for a moment as we look at the context for our reading. After the baptism and temptation of Jesus in Luke's gospel, we read how Jesus' Galilean ministry began. 
He was rejected in Nazareth after reading from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Then, having been thrown out, he moved to Capernaum and was teaching with authority on the Sabbath. In the synagogue, he casts out a demon. And then at Simon's house, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And the crowds in the town gathered outside the house for him to heal the sick. He was certainly very popular, getting a good score. So he traveled all over Galilee, preaching in the synagogue, driving out demons. And then we reach this lesson, Luke 5, which is very similar to an episode at the end of John's Gospel. Mark's Gospel leaves out these early days of his ministry, Jesus' ministry. He just tells us that uh, soon after the baptism, Jesus calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and how immediately they left their nets. But Luke tells us actually things were going on before that. Jesus had been preaching, and he helps us to understand how and why they follow Jesus. So Jesus was by Lake Gennesaret, a.k.a the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. And the crowds were amazed at his healings, and they had come down to where he was, and they were pressing in on him, wanting to hear what Luke calls for the first time the word of the Lord, or word of God. And running out of space on the crowded shore, Jesus spots two boats on the water's edge. And because they were fishermen, uh, they were washing their uh, nets after being out all night, uh, and they were probably listening to Jesus as he was teaching. After they had been unsuccessful in their fishing, they hear Jesus saying to Simon Peter, can I have your boat, please? Now, he would have known him. He'd been at Simon's house. He'd healed his mother-in-law. And so, whether that's the reason or whether Jesus just knew Simon was going to be the person who was going to lead his people, but he chooses Simon's boat. And we hear later in the story the word partner, which suggests that Peter was a small business owner, hence there was more than one boat, but Simon was in charge. And so, here's Jesus saying to Simon, come on Simon, do us a favour. I'm going to get wet if these crowds get any bigger. Take your boat out for me just a little from the shore. So the exhausted Simon, having caught no fish the night before, provides a floating pulpit for Jesus. So Jesus can sit down and speak. Now, just a little note here. Rabbis would stand to read the scripture and then they would sit down at the end so that people knew when they were moving from the word of the Lord to their words on the subject. So Jesus sits down like a rabbi in the boat and exploits the geography of the area on the banks there, natural acoustics, enabling the crowd to hear. My guess, he would have been preaching about the kingdom of God. And when he finished we arrive at this pivotal point in the story. Jesus the carpenter tells Simon the fisherman how to fish. What's more, he gives new meaning to the whole thing of fishing. So Jesus said to Simon, Luke 5 verse 4, put out to the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You see, the boats were in the shallows. 
where people could easily change their mind. They could step in or step out as the mood takes them. If you like, for me, they symbolize those consumer Christians, if you like, going along for a little bit of the ride, but if it doesn't suit them, well, they can step back. And it's comfortable for us to keep our faith in the shadows. Let the word touch us to a degree, but not necessarily to the core of who we are. And yet Jesus says Simon needed to go deeper, to where there are more fish. It's time to push the boat out of the comfort zone, to have faith, to take a risk, to be totally dependent on Jesus, to be committed to go where the harvest may be located. We like to fish where it's safe and comfortable. If we think about our own evangelism, <laughs> we tend to go to the people who are very close to us and around about us. The shallows are a safe place to be. And besides, Peter uh, would have known what's happened in the past. He'd actually been out to the deep and caught absolutely nothing. He was a realist. So Simon asked, answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now let me break this verse up because I think we've got shorthand here because we've got two sentences very close together and I can imagine that there was a lot that went in between. And we've got the first use of the title Master in Luke's Gospel. So these are Tony's version of those words. Master, with great respect, we know who you are. We want to follow you and we want to obey your teachings but we know about fishing. Pulpits are okay, but now you're talking about our profession. Stick to what you know and leave my work and my family and leisure to me. Anyway, what you're saying is totally impossible. You know, go out there for fish. We know about this. There's no fish out there. We've no energy anyway. We're shattered. It's hopeless. We're fed up and there's nothing to feed our families. And you don't fish in the heat of the day anyway. You can't be serious. Oh, you are serious. And I think that pause that we don't have here must have been there as perhaps Peter was thinking about all that he'd witnessed. Jesus is asking him to do the impossible. And yet here is the person who had delivered people by way of exorcisms who'd shown great authority, those healings, including his mother-in-law. Yes, Jesus was calling them to do the seemingly impossible. But that's actually the point. So possibly humoring Jesus, having known a little bit about what he's done, he said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And here we see the obedience which actually goes on to bear fruit. I wonder if we need to be reminded of the things that Jesus has done in our lives in the past. We can so easily forget. Do we need to recall those miracles of grace where we've experienced Jesus at work which we forget? You see, letting down the nets was Simon's first step 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. It wasn't Simon's catch. It was the master's catch. But it's significant that Jesus didn't command the fish to jump out of the sea into the nets. Basically, Simon had to actually lower the nets. Even though he was tired and exhausted and had some doubts, he had to do what the Lord was saying to him. In other words, those on the boat had to work with Jesus, if you see what I mean. They had to do the lowering. And in verse 7, so they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I love this little bit of the story. They couldn't cope alone with their own efforts. They needed each other in order to gather the fish in. It was still scary because the amount of fish that came on the boat meant that both boats looked as though they were going to sink. But they did what they were told. And the Lord was with them. And just as other stories in the Bible where they panicked when they thought they were going to drown in a boat, the Lord was with them and he would see them through. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell on his knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, I'm not sure how Jesus could go away. He was in a boat. He would have got wet if he went away. But I think what Simon was simply conscious of was his own lack of faith, his own sinfulness, seeing the holiness of Jesus who had done the impossible. Simon knew that. He was a fisherman. And Simon moves now from calling Jesus master to Lord. For Simon and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zemedi, Simon's partners. What happened was a blessing for everyone. There was enough fish to feed them all. Not just in Simon's boat, but the other boat as well. And probably more than enough. What a blessing, yet also terrifying. And yet my experience in ministry and in the Christian faith is when things seem to be absolutely impossible, when I'm out of my depth and out of my comfort zone, when I've run out of ideas and resources and I'm forced to turn to the Lord and to listen to what he says, and when I obey his voice and I push the boat out into the deep waters despite my fears, then the blessing comes. And I think it's the same for all of us. If we rely on the Lord and not our own strength, that blessing can come for us too. But Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And he says, now you will fish for people. And so here we see an expanded call. We see the, the switch from fishing for fish to now fishing for people. And we remember boats were a metaphor for the church too. I find that interesting. You're pushing out the boat. Where are we going as a church? Are we going into the deep water? Are we working with the other boats? 
in the service of the kingdom. And there's a sense here of fishing and ongoing fishing, catching and ongoing catching. And it's not a harvest of fish that would soon be dead fish, just good for eating, but the drawing in of people who will be restored to life, life in all its fullness. So it was a mission that the disciples were to share with the Lord, and it's our mission too. And the Lord doesn't want to leave anyone out. That's why that net was so big, almost breaking. Remember the words of John the Baptist just a few uh, chapters before. He was quoting Isaiah about uh, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And he ends, and all people will see God's salvation. The blessings of the kingdom are for whosoever will come. I wonder whether we are prepared to welcome all into the kingdom. Whoever they are, without discrimination. That means giving up the seat that we usually sit in. So that they can be welcome in our boat. Giving up our prejudices and our judgments. For God is judge alone. And allowing them to respond to the grace of God as his Holy Spirit works in their lives. What's more, are we pushing the boat out to where the people are? Rather than just waiting for people to come to us. When the synagogue was closed to Jesus, he took the, to the open road. Uncharted water, if you like. Going to all these different places. And John Wesley did exactly the same. I love a commodious room, he said. A soft cushion and a handsome pulpit. But field preaching saves souls. If we're just speaking to ourselves all the time, where is the harvest? We need to be going out. That's why Wesley used words like highways and hedges, markets and fairs, hills and dales, the streets and the lanes of the cities, the villages, the barns and the farmers and so on. He went out to where people were. There's enough fish. There's enough people to do the work if we all play our part and work with our partners. I have to admit, folks, I'm not vote motivated as a minister purely by filling the great hall every Sunday. There are some who might say, well, if you get the right place, and place you can fill this place like Sangster did. Ten out of ten. But it's not about the preacher. It's about Jesus it's about our obedience to him. It's about a movement of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about individuals and personalities who appear to score well. Jesus can use us all, together with our partners, in humility and dependence upon God, to be about the work of the kingdom. And that work can and will bear fruit in his timing if we're obedient. But we have to go out, push the boat out to the deep water. And we need to be driven by a passion to see souls turning to God. Families and friends and colleagues of all backgrounds and races becoming disciples who walk the way of Jesus, who live out their faith in a very real world. 
And I think if that's our desire, and we spend ourselves to that end, listening for the voice of the Lord, then there's no reason why this hall will be filled. But it's not about personalities, it's about us in partnership together. When they had the harvest, they pulled up their boats on the shore and they left everything and they followed him. The main point of the story isn't the miracle, wonderful as it was. It's how Jesus prepares Peter for his ministry. That he actually one day would be fruitful so that even when his shadow passed over people, people would be healed because God was with them. Acts 5.14, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number because Peter and the others were responding to Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those who were tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I pray that our mission today won't be a mission of the possible, but a mission of the impossible. And the call is to move from being comfortable consumers of the message in the shallows to being committed and fully engaged disciples who are prepared to push the boat out for the kingdom. My friends, are we to remain in the shallows or will we exercise great faith and courage and obedience and risk putting out to the deep waters so we have to trust the Lord. For it's only then will we reap a harvest. And it won't be our harvest. It will be his harvest. As we fulfill our high callings. As church and as individuals. Amen. Let's sing a hymn of response. Lord, your church on earth is seeking your renewal from above.